the rationale behind not taking bald eagle's feathers is that there was a time when there was a market for them. And actually, uh, there's probably still uh, a strong market for it. Um, and they're highly valued by Native American tribes. So the, uh, the federal government set up a system to try to um, allow Native American tribes to access feathers in a um, legal way that can um, benefit their tribal um, rituals and at the same time not create a market for them. Where do you find a family of communities connected by the storied Mississippi River, where young explorers and dreamers, investors and entrepreneurs thrive? Where can you connect with real people living and creating in a place that's as genuine as it is quirky? QC, that's where. Thanks for listening to this episode of QC That's Where. I'm Katrina, your host with Visit Quad Cities. And today I've got the vice president of the Quad Cities Audubon Society, Jody Millar. Jody, hey, how are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for talking with us on this episode today. And it's all about bald eagles today. We are um, looking at Quad Cities in the winter and why the bald eagles come here and they're just so beautiful to look at. So I want to throw it to you and just kind of for people who maybe haven't been here, describe what that's like that we have those beautiful birds in our region. Yes, uh, Quad Cities, um, for people in the know, know that uh, bald eagles uh, do come here uh, in great numbers during the winter. Uh, one of the main reasons is because there's a good food source in the Mississippi River. Um, when it's really cold out and much of the river freezes, the areas below the uh, locks and dams remain open uh, because of the water discharged. And the cold temperatures and discharge of water um, can be uh um, harmful, not harmful, but it stuns uh, fish like the uh, gizzard shad, and these become a great food base for bald eagles. So uh, bald eagles will concentrate below the locks and dams and um, find these stunned fish. When the oh. um, temperature moderates like it is today and the entire river is open, uh, you're not able to see the concentrated numbers below the locks and dams like you do in very cold water. But still, there's large numbers there um, that were pushed down uh, from the frozen northern regions, uh, Canada, Minnesota. Um, bald eagles up there uh, were living and nesting along lakes and feeding in, in the lakes during the spring and summer. Uh, those lakes are now frozen and those food sources are not available. So um, basically, they come down here to, to eat and that's the big attraction. Okay, so they're here for, you know, our winter, primarily like December, January, February. When do they head home? So the uh, they start uh, returning um, to their northern lands. Uh, um, in early spring, uh, 
However, the uh, schedule for bald eagles, so to speak, is varies all over the country, depending on the climate and region you live in. Uh, we have bald eagles that nest here year round, and they nest here and reside here year round. And so those eagles really uh, don't go very far when it comes to nesting season, and they will actually begin uh, returning to their nesting territories as early as uh, February, March. I know um, that there are some eagles that, you know, like they've taken up nests in places where people have installed cameras. Like for instance, I think there's like, there's one in Decorah, Iowa. There's an eagle family that's got a camera on it all the time. I think there used to be, if there's not still one at the um, Arconic uh, property, are you familiar with those? Yes, I am. And one of the uh, amazing sights is to see the eagles on the nest and, and they're covered in snow. Yeah. So that lets you know uh, how early they, they start their uh, uh, nesting behavior. Yeah, that's the thing. That's great. You know, birds normally fly south for the winter to get warm. These ones aren't really trying to escape the cold. And it makes you wonder, how do they survive? It It uh, is always amazing to me also to see the birds here uh, during these bitter cold uh, periods of winter that we have. Uh, anyone who has a bird feeder can attest to that. Uh, they they can stay warm if they have enough food. Mm -hmm. uh, they get they have their their feather protection and it's good enough. When people go out and watch, you know, if they're not with the Audubon Society, if they want to kind of go out on their own, there's some hot spots to, to try and hit. There's a list on visitquadcities.com. Um, can you talk about any of those spots that people might be able to get to on their own? So we're still talking about uh, winter where eagles become less territorial and are more concerned about uh, feeding. Mm -hmm. And that's when they... Um, will concentrate in, in prime feeding areas. So uh, good places to watch this activity is in the prime feeding areas. And in our area, it tends to be below the locks and dams. So we have, um, uh, there's viewing areas to the public on both sides of lock and dam 14, which is the dam uh, at the downstream end of LeClaire, Iowa, and um, near Hampton, Illinois. And then the dam that's uh, in the center of the Quad Cities, which is Lock and Dam 15. And there are viewing areas open to the public on both the Illinois and the Iowa banks there. And uh, in fact, there's Probably good viewing of eagles upstream and downstream at the locks and dams. Uh, there's you, also, there's also a lot of eagles below um, the outfall of some of the uh, um, warm water outfall areas, uh, like around Credit Island and uh, up by Cordova. But, uh, Do you have a favorite viewing area, like personally? My living room. Your living room. Ooh, tell me about that. So I do live, I live right on the Mississippi River and uh, am privileged to observe bald eagles, um, both 
Um, in winter and in summer, we do have, we now have uh, nesting bald eagles right in the area. And um, it's really a treat to, to watch the whole annual progression of eagles returning to the nesting area, feeding the young, the young fledging, and the uh, wintering eagles coming down. It's, it's, it's a treat to see. So did you, which, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you choose this home so that you could, you know, view bald eagles year round or was it vice versa that you, you know, found that your home was a, a good location for viewing and you just happened to live there? Uh, the man I married happened to live here. Okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. And where did your passion for Audubon come from? Uh, so I, I'm a retired uh, biologist for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And I, um, one of the uh, projects I undertook um, for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was uh, putting together the regulatory work to remove the bald eagle from the endangered species list. So I was involved with... Uh, the bald eagle and its status nationwide for, um, you know, a number of years during my career. And that's been accomplished. Am I right? The uh, bald eagle was removed from the endangered species list in 2007. However, it remains one of the most protected birds in the country because it has its own law, which is the bald and golden eagle protection act. So even though it's not endangered any longer, it still remains fully protected under the uh, so under act. That law, that act that you mentioned, I, you know, obviously I think everybody understands, you know, don't scare an eagle, don't interfere with their life and, you know, don't harm them, obviously. But there are also little um, nuggets in that act. Like if you see a bald eagle feather that you're not to take it. The rationale behind not taking bald eagle's feathers is that there was a time when there was a market for them. And actually, uh, there's probably still uh, a strong market for it. Um, and they're highly valued by Native American tribes. So the, uh, the federal government set up a system to try to um, allow Native American tribes to access feathers in a um, legal way that can um, benefit their tribal um, rituals and at the same time not create a market for it. I so see. There is a process, but yes, it's illegal to possess one without a permit. What are there maybe any, you know, lesser known um you know, facts regarding either how bald eagles, you know, live or etiquette or anything that people just wouldn't really naturally know? Well, I, I what I find interesting, particularly being able to view them uh, casually from my house on a day-to-day -day basis, is the disparity in skill and... Uh, um, maturity between uh, an adult eagle and an immature eagle. And I've watched where an immature eagle will 
be soaring constantly over um, a flock of ducks and trying to go after this or that diving duck, which is really an impossibility unless the duck is half dead. And then the adult eagle will hang behind and just watch the immature waste all its energy. And then pretty soon later on, the uh, adult eagle jumps off the limb, heads out, gets itself a nice big fish and is eating. And the poor old immature eagle is just squawking and <laughs> wondering how it can get some. So they, they, um, they do have a, a learning curve, which is, is a, a pretty interesting to watch. And uh, they also um, are adaptable, more, more adaptable than what we thought initially. Uh, they, uh, they can get used to some distractions and then they'll pick out another new distraction and that will cause them to flush. So, so they, they do have uh, their own scale of intelligence. That's interesting. They are like kids when they're, you know, immature. They're, um, they're like people in that way where they have to, you know, get their sea legs, so to speak, learn, uh, observe the adults and, <laughs> and kind of lean on them for support until they come of age. Exactly. And uh, once um, the eagles leave the nest, uh, they are supported by the adults for uh, a few you know, a few more weeks until the adults just can't stand it anymore. But uh, there is um, not all juvenile eagles uh, make it to adulthood because it is, it still is a difficult world out there for them. What is their biggest threat for survival? Well, humans, for sure, uh, in all sorts of different forms. Um, there's a uh, disease threats out there right now. Uh, there will always be habitat threats. Um, that said, the eagle, the bald eagle has made an incredible uh, return from really low numbers in the 40s, 50s, and 60s where uh, a nesting pair was a rare sight in the lower 48 to where nowadays there's nesting pairs in every state of the lower 48. So it has made, um, it's a wonderful success story. So what can people, you know, just in regular life do to help them improve their population? If anything, protect some of the, um, big mature trees that are along waterways and um, the big lakes and rivers. Uh, cabin owners, for example, shouldn't just clear the entire shoreline, but need to leave some of those big trees for perching, keeping our waterways clean so that there's a good food source uh, for um, foraging bald eagles. That's probably one of the prime criteria for for so much of our nature. Uh, we have to have our waterways clean as a um, basic element to uh, having a high quality environment. Through your years in Audubon and you know working with working with birds in your career, do you have like a moment that stands out like a favorite memory or 
um, anything to do with bald eagles that you would kind of, you know, that you would, would share with somebody or a thought, like a favorite time or something? When the bald eagle uh, was first um, considered to be worthy of what we would call downlisting on the endangered species list from endangered status to threatened status, uh, the announcement for that population level improvement was made at the White House uh, with uh, President Clinton, President Bill Clinton. So I got to meet President Bill Clinton and uh, attend the ceremony at the White House. That was that was a treat. This is kind of an off the wall question, but would you be able to describe like what wildlife would be like or what would happen domino effect if there were no bald eagles? So when there were very few bald eagles in much of the lower 48 states, there was a cause and well, there were multiple causes. Uh, one of the causes was um, the widespread use of DDT, which caused eggshell thinning and a failure for young to hatch. And the secondary cause was widespread actual shooting, killing uh, of eagles and destroying their habitat for fear of eagles competing with livestock and other, other things. Uh, so when that happened during that time period, many other uh, birds um, that would also feed on the food chain were also um, destroyed uh, for the same reason. In addition, um, fish that were tainted um, failed to thrive um, and I am sure that it was not good for people who were consuming that. So a, a trigger cause for bald eagle collapse could be a, uh, a harbinger of, of collapse of a lot of different populations and not good for our own, that's for sure. Would you say that the Quad Cities region and its position on the Mississippi River is makes for a unique experience to to see eagle li uh, lifestyle and be able to view them? Well, I think our area is kind of a, a secret in terms of um, um, natural areas in the country, uh, not widely yet discovered, but the amount of public lands that we have available in here uh, is really amazing. And the access of the Mississippi River is a really unique resource in that it's not only a functioning waterway, but it's also water quality is good enough to maintain a fishery. And it's got um, a major national wildlife refuge. Uh, so it's got a lot going for it. And it's definitely worth spending some time and taking a look at. Well said, I totally agree. <laughs> I would say it is important for people to try to view eagles with caution and try not to impose on uh, their feeding or particularly their nesting areas. Uh, they do uh, flush quite easily, particularly during nesting, and that can be fatal for young. 
In addition, we all need to try to push to keep our waters in Iowa clean so that we can still have uh, these natural resources and the eagles using them uh, in our future. But basically, enjoy the show, keep your distance, be respectful of them and let them do their thing. <laughs> exactly. Excellent words. Thank you so much, Jody. Um, per tradition on this podcast, I would love to have you fill in the blank. QC, that's where. QC what? QC, that's where, whatever you want to fill it in with. QC, that's where I love to walk my dog. I, that's one of the first things that pops into my mind is how many nice areas there are to take your dog for a lovely walk around here. I love that. That's so true. The There's a riverfront access on both sides, Iowa or Illinois, it doesn't matter which state you're in. So yeah, so much beauty, so much to see all seasons, winter, the bald eagles, um, so much in the fall, the, the spring, the summer. So thank you so much again, Jody. I really appreciate your time. Hopefully a lot of people can come out and learn and explore and enjoy what we've got around here. Thanks for listening to QC That's Where, a podcast powered by Visit Quad Cities. Text Visit QC to 38314 for insider events, activities, and updates sent straight to your phone. That's V-I-S-I-T-Q-C, one word, to 38314. Message and data rates may apply. 